This is a story of the oldest and one of the most successful clubs in the VAFA, a club established back in 1891 when Ale Adamson created an old boys 18, which became the Collegians Football Club in 1892. They are a foundation member of the association, the only one remaining. Adamson's reign at Collegians spanned 40 years, which brought about six premierships before the First World War. Such was his influence, the William Buck Premier A-grade Premiership Cup is named in his honour. This is a committed and professionally run football club that boasts 17 A-grade Premierships. The committee and volunteers are thoroughly dedicated and work tirelessly to see their club succeed. Names like Hibbins, Pryor, Taft, Dyer, Roach, Arnott and The Chief are part of the Lions vernacular and you'll likely run into one, if not all of them, on a Saturday down at the Harry Trot Oval. They are a band of buggers, as the club song proclaims, but it must be said that since 1892, they have worked hard to become one of the greatest clubs of all. Hello everyone and welcome. This is the Club in Focus podcast. Today we are focusing on the Collegians Football Club. My name is Joe Pignataro and to help me take a look at the Collegians Lions, the Purple Army is the voice, the face and the best dressed man in the Amos, Mr Nick Armistead. Hello Nico. Hello Joseph. Great intro once again by you. Super excited for today's edition. Um, I just love the fact that the club as you said, which was formed in 1891, was part of the Metropolitan Junior Association as we were when we started out in 1892. I think it's just amazing that a club can last that long and is even older than the VAFA, but they haven't just survived, they've thrived throughout that time. Certainly have. They've won uh, 20 senior premierships, 17 in A grade, 3 in B grade. About this, Nico, they've been runner-up in A grade 16 times, runner-up in B grade 3 times, and a C grade runner-up grand final so all of overall it's about 40 grand finals that they've taken part in uh, when they did start in 1892 as the competition did you mentioned the last surviving team Alberton didn't make it a side called Brighton not the old Brighton that we know today they're gone collegians as we mentioned and we're going to talk about for the next 45 minutes or so Edlington didn't get through Footscray District are gone South St Kilda St Jude's St Mary's of course a uh, there, St Mary's Salesian, now not the same one back in 1892. Turak Grosvenor and the YMCA, Nico. They were the opening 10 teams back in 1892. Collegians Lions still surviving and thriving, as you just mentioned, uh, to this very day. Now, I'm told, Nico, as you were as well, they didn't roll out in the purple army that makes them look so very good at the moment, that purple and gold. What did they wear back in 1892 through your research? Well, just looking through the For Love of the Game centenary book, which obviously has a lot on the Collegians Footy Club, they first run out in light blue and white guernseys with dark blue knickers and hose. Now, I don't know what hose means. I'm sure there's people out there who will be able to tell us. But this just tells me because they've obviously become synonymous with the purple and gold. And so their original jumper clearly wasn't too necessary 
to their history, a bit like yourself when you badger on about some burners. <laughs> Everyone now knows it about the Sandy Jumper. So I love the fact that they've come out and that. There's some fantastic photos um, from their early 1890s on the club. The other thing, L.A. Adamson, you mentioned. Talk to obviously. me about L.A. Well, he's clearly the king. Dickie, they called him. Dickie. Dickie Adamson. Um, clearly the king of collegians, and particularly Wesley, who was headmaster for 30-odd years. Um, he came from England, though. So right. he studied at a rugby school, or he came from a rugby background. But you know what he studied? He studied law. Of course he did. At Oxford. Of course he did. <laughs> at Oxford. Absolutely <laughs> amazing. So he came over here. So that's one tick for big LA Adamson. He was obviously an integral part of the association and um, Wesley and Collegians for a number of years. But I think the biggest tick is the fact that he's the man that penned, according to the full of the game book, he penned their theme song. Did he really? The band he of did. brothers or band of buggers, as Rodney Dan Caro has written on the club website. Yes. Hurrah, hurrah. Collegians gay we are. Hurrah for the purple. The golden purple flag we love. Hurrah. I always wondered because I've seen Courtney Hilton in videos over the past few years, particularly when their women's team have won and they've put it on Instagram and the boys are there celebrating with them. And I've never heard that song, obviously, because it's an original um, and so now to read that in the book and to see where it came from, and Ali Adamson may have studied law at Oxford, but really it was his ability to pen a, to pen a song like the Beatles that really has made his name, I've got no doubt. He definitely missed his calling as a singer-songwriter. <laughs> what I want you to do, Nico, is maybe we can try and do this through the social medias at Vaffa underscore HQ on Twitter or Vaffa HQ on Instagram. The song has the lyrics purple and gold in them, Yet you're telling me the original jumper is a navy blue and white colour. Can we work out what, what's going on there? They've got purple and gold flags running out in different colours. We're going to need some well, collegians historians to tell us all about this. If there was a retrospective round, Joey, would you love to see them in the light blue? Oh, it's a no-brainer. You know what I'm like with history and, and retrospective stuff. If it's got a light blue jumper and if it has a collar. Now, I know a few collegians fans, they're big on the collar. They like the history of the Amos. Of course, they've got the oldest club in the Amos, so why wouldn't they endorse anything that brings back some of the old collegians' history? We're going to try and do that across the next 45 minutes or so, Nico. As you mentioned, Mark Hibbins is going to join us, and the Hibbins name is synonymous with this footy club. In fact, it's synonymous with the Amos, and shortly Mark's going to tell us all about the family history and the family ties. Uh, Nick Roach, who's part of the coaching staff at the moment, been around Collegians for a very, very long time. Shura Taft, a lot of people will know from his days hosting The Mole, uh, from his days hosting Warner Brothers on a Saturday morning, if you're a young fella growing up like I was, and of course played in a couple of premierships for the Collegians Footy <laughs> Club. Uh, for those who did watch him, they'll know that he never used to handball, so his hands are immaculate, Nico. I'm looking forward to this one the most. We're going to chat to a man who's affectionately known as The Chief. Alex O'Brien, who for over 16 years was the property steward at Collegians, Nico. And in that time, he had 30 footies. He's going to tell us about this. He did not lose one of them. 15, 16 years in charge, didn't lose a single Sharon. Now, I've had a lot of Sharons in my 30 years on the planet, and I've lost every single one of them. They're the sort of stories that you love to hear, and they're the reasons that we're doing this podcast, to hear from those type of people, those volunteers 
who have spent hours and I also I read into what he's done and he spent hours there each night that they trained. He was there from the start till the end and just absolutely loved it. And he's only, as you said, 97 years young. <laughs> so that would just be amazing to hear from someone who's going to have so many great memories, I hope, from the club. I love that he's got a, uh, he's got a mobile, Nick. I sent him a text just to, to make sure he comes on and he just sent me a little thumbs up emoji back we go he's up with technology is the chief so i can't wait to chat to the great man a bit later on uh, now nico we're going to learn a lot about collegians across uh, this episode but it wouldn't be possible without the help and the support of Mequacare, who are a proud partner of the Amos, have come on board in the middle of 2019, sticking with us throughout 2020 and throughout this difficult time that a lot of people are facing. Uh, so Mequacare providing all the support for us during this period and for your enjoyment with, with the podcast series, the Club in Focus podcast series, which you can subscribe to on Spotify, on iTunes, uh, through the Amos website. And of course, if you hear this and you want your club to be the shining light, that these footy clubs have already come forward with. Get in touch with Nick at the Amos and no doubt we'll be able to spend a good hour or so talking about your club. There's plenty to discuss. I'm just interested before we get into all of it, what you're most interested in listening to, Nico, throughout the next 45 minutes. I love families that are involved intimately with either clubs, with schools that just date back for decades. And a family, as you mentioned, like the Hibbins, which goes back to Jeff and to Lex, and then obviously we had Mark, Nick, and now Sam's captain of the senior side. I just really look forward to talking to Mark about that, his memories, um, particularly growing up when maybe he wasn't even playing senior football yet, but growing up and just how much of an impact Wesley and the Collegians Footy Club had on his family. I just can't wait to talk, obviously, to the Chief, as we mentioned, but to Nick Roach, who you and I have got to know over the last few years through the Collegians podcast that they do, the Three-Legged Lions. He's the unofficial list manager, I like to call him, of of the competition. He takes a look at basically every Premier Club, of course, in his role coaching uh, on a Saturday, but just the Collegians sides of the early 90s that played in uh, four, five A-grade grand finals, won back-to-back flags. Of course, he was still around the club when they won in 2011, 2012. And, of course, in most recent times, he was there for the two unfortunate back-to-back losses to St. Kevin's by under a goal. Just how these sides have changed over the years, but they've been the same dominant collegians right throughout. Absolutely. They've been unlucky in a lot of ways. Um, They've obviously come up against a pretty formidable side in St. Kevin's over the past few years, but just the way they power themselves and the way they just they pick themselves up. I think that's a big thing. Going through their stats from over the years, they seem to have a lot of back-to-back grand final wins, but also back-to-back grand final losses. They don't do things in ones. It's usually in twos <laughs> by the looks of things. It certainly is. Well, how about we get started and we'll have a chat to Mark Hibbins, who's about to join us, one of the greats of the competition and an absolute legend of collegians. Tries to screw it now on the right foot. Yeah, the right. There it is, the final siren in the 1992 A-Second Grand Final in this centenary year. And congratulations to Lee Charles and the Collegians players and the Collegians club. Game one and that's it. That is the game. Collegians, back-to-back premiership. Siren, Collegians win. They are 2012 premiers. They go back-to-back, winning by seven points over all the variants. 10-11-71. Nine. 
Well, Nico, we just mentioned uh, the Hibbins name and the Hibbins family to the Collegians Footy Club, and it's with great pleasure that we can welcome in Mark Hibbins to the Club in Focus podcast. Hello, Mark. Hello, boys. How are we this afternoon? We're going very well. Mate, before we get into your playing and coaching career, which was basically as illustrious as they come down at Harry Trot and down at Collegians Footy Club, I want to first touch base with the Hibbins family name. It obviously goes back a long way with your father, the late Lex, and that was only a couple of weeks ago. And we obviously we send our condolences for his passing. Thank you. He's had a massive, he's had a massive part to do with the club and his own brother Jeff, and obviously now your sons Sam and Jack are down there, and yourself, as I said, had an illustrious career. I suppose what was it like growing up, um, being such a strong Wesley and Collegians family? Uh, well, initially, my, my early days are of, you know, a three, four, five, six-year-old, you know, didn't really understand the Wesley connection to the club. My dad would just take me along to the footy as he was still playing. So we're talking sort of mid-60s, 66, 67. I think he played probably until about 68, 69. And being just let loose, you know, as you get of the car and... Um, come and see me at about seven o'clock at night because that's when I'll have my last drink and away we go. Um, so the old Harry Trot used to be up the other end of the lake up near um, the old uh, South Melbourne footy ground. And um, if Collegians was getting a bit boring, I soon found out that uh, the uh, gatekeeper at the South Melbourne football ground would let young blokes like me in for no charge. So I often spent watching the South Melbourne Swans um, play the, you know, the last quarter and a half and then wander back to the Harry Trot and then would play a game of footy by myself, uh, you know, with no lights, just in the dark while Dad was upstairs um, having a few beers. I don't really remember much of my father playing. I've seen a few clips, you know, video, old video clips of him playing and a few of Jeff playing. So that's sort of my first memories. And um, I played my first game for them in year 11 for the side in the ones. We played Caulfield Grammar on the old Harry Trot, and um, I forget who it was, but someone uh, had a go at whacking me and uh, they ended up getting two weeks. So I can remember having to go down to the tribunal after my first game and Dad pulling a few strings so that I got in first and away we went. Been there ever since. <laughs> Did you understand at the time the significance and just how good I suppose they were for an amateur club? Not when I was really young, but certainly as I grew up and got older, you know, particularly my dad would tell me how good Jeff was. Um, you know, they won uh, five grand finals. So they were a pretty good side there, and Jeff was the main player. He was sort of captain and coach, and he was secretary, I think, at the same time. You know, Jeff was a bit of a thinker, and he was probably one of the first sort of coaches that said, we just don't get the ball and kick it forward. He would often do shorter kicks to the side, and, um, you know, he was very big on watching the soccer, and he would try and bring the ball down the other side, as we you know what people would talk about switching the play now. Mark, you talked about your memories of your first game and then you ended up having to go to the tribunal and, and state your case. Tell us a bit more about your playing days in the early 90s. It's a pretty strong collegiate side then as well um, that included a couple of A-grade premierships. Are they your fondest yeah, well, memories? 
yeah, they are. But they were at the, the back end of my career. I actually um, started playing in the late 70s, as I said, as a school kid. And then my first year out of school was 79, and we were in uh, a B-grade team. I became captain at a fairly long, young age, probably about 21, 22, somewhere like that, early 80s. And so when we won our flags in the 90s, that was sort of sort of at the end of my career. In fact, I hurt my knee uh, the next year in 94, and it meant that if I was going to come back, I'd have to come back as a 35-year-old, which I decided against doing. <laughs> right. The 1992 uh, premiership that was won by the Reserves and the seniors coincides with the club's 100-year celebrations. Where would that stand in the club's list of great achievements? Is it the pinnacle? Is that number one? Yeah, I think that's that's probably got to be pretty close, um, particularly given the fact that, you know, Collegians is the only sort of foundation club that's still still playing. Um, yeah, so what's that, 1892... We were there when they first played and then to win it in its centenary, um, both in the first and, and the seconds, was yeah, a great achievement by the club and I would think that would be right up there with any achievement that the club's you know, managed to achieve. And just now, the next generation, uh, Sam's taken the reins of the senior side. Unfortunately, it was only for, it's, it was as recent as this season, so we're not going to see too much footy, um, but that must make you pretty proud. Yes, it does. Um, uh, he's been a, a leader down there for a long time and to be rewarded, you know, with the captaincy on his own, I think is a, a great credit to him. So, yeah, proud of him. Uh, just a bit concerned that people are starting to call him a better player than I am. <laughs> I was. So that is a bit of a concern. You know, I've just got to keep him under control if I can. What do you reckon you've taught him? Were, were you hard on him, I suppose, particularly when he was a junior? Um, and you would have been coaching the senior side. Uh, were you hard on him as a player to make him the best that he could possibly be? I wouldn't have said that hard on him. Um, I coached him a lot as a junior down at the uh, Ashburton Junior Footy Club, the old Redbacks. But um, he was a pretty small bloke early. In fact, I reckon he took a year off and umpired for a year. And, you know, then came back to footy and sort of grew virtually you know, in his year 12 and after school and started playing in the under-19s and kicked a lot of goals, might have kicked 60-odd goals. Um, and then the next year, played a few games in the ones. Unfortunately, he decided that he was going overseas and I had to set a bit of an example. And once he decided he was going, that was it. He didn't play again that year. <laughs> <laughs> so whether that's hard on him, I'm not sure. One day, Andrew Scott, he was a great player for the club, uh, went down with a knee injury and I moved him into the centre and he's basically played on the ball ever since. So, you know, it's just a case of when the opportunity arises, if you grab it, which he managed to do, and he's turned out to be a pretty good player. Hebo, I want to now fast forward to your coaching days. You (laughs) were successful alongside Simon Arnott um, in 2011 and 2012, but particularly I want to touch on 2012 against old Zaverians. Um, and that last quarter, I was watching a bit of footage just before we got on here to talk to you. And it pans to you a few times as you're standing up in the box at Alston Wick Park because there were only a couple of goals kicked in that last quarter. And it was Blumfield who kicked both of those goals. One of my great moves moving him down forward, I think, in that last quarter. That was, uh, 
you know, great last quarter. And I, I talked about, you know, you've got to have a bit of luck. I think it was Darvell, who was a great midfielder for Zavs, who did his hamstring in the first quarter. We played him in 2010 and had been a bit unlucky uh, with Blumfield being concussed and Nick Reese having to come off the ground for a while. Um, and that probably swayed that ground. And I think when uh, Darvell went down, that that really helped us. Um, we had our noses in front at three-quarter time. And I reckon with about three or four minutes to go, Zavs managed to steer one through, put us one point in front. I managed to smash the uh, magnetic board in two at that <laughs> stage. Um, <laughs> managed to bend it anyway. I didn't put it in two. As it turned out, uh, Chris Blomfield, yeah, also received the free kick and managed to put one out, one through, you know, with a minute or so to go and we managed to hang on, which was, um, you know, it was nice to win because, um, you know, we'd lost to them in 2010 and even the year before, 2011, was nice because we'd lost to St. Bede's. Um, in tone in uh, 208. I want to ask you about that magnetic board of yours because I've heard rumours <laughs> that you may have, while lying in bed, you'd make one or two changes, you'd stare at it for about 20 minutes, you'd change it back and then you'd fall asleep with your magnet board. Can you confirm? Yeah, no, that, that would be most nights. You yeah. must have had a few favourite players. You, you coached them. Absolute stars of the competition. You had Nick Reyes, you had Lockie Ferguson, Shura, who we're going to be talking to, Nick Sauntner, Will Tardif. Who were your favourites, do you think, looking back? I reckon Nicky Reyes is about the best player that I coached. I mean, he was just really good, really tough. I got the ball a lot, could play up forward. Um, Shura, he was a very good player, but he did like everything going well so I'd often have to get down early at the ground and dry it out before he would uh, <laughs> you know he'd ring up Saturday morning and go oh my back's a bit crook on my hamstring and I know it was because it was raining and I'd say don't worry I'll be down there I'll sponge it all <laughs> up for you but yeah no very good player he's a really good sportsman you know he's a good cricketer um, I think we got uh, we got Nick Sortner, who was a very good player, and had some of the best hands I've seen. And he was he was so good for the team. He just gave the team so much confidence. You know, we mentioned Chris Blumfield. You know, had the luxury of playing him mainly on the wing, and he could really read the ball well, as you've already pointed out. You know, drifting down from the wing to take or get two goals in that last quarter was just his ability to be able to read the play and read the situation and do the right thing. Will Tardis, though, was probably, you know, I think he won three best and fairest and two of those might have been in premiership years and he probably could have played at the highest level if he wanted to. You're right. We should have won more premierships. I did have a star upside. <laughs> Shouldn't have ever been like beaten. Jorgensen and Holst and those sort of blokes just held us back a little bit, though. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mark, after your coaching reign, of course, you were then a part of the presidency with uh, Rocket Nan Caro. Now, according yep. to Ammo's records, in 2014, it was the Collegians Footy Club that hosted the first Premier Section Friday night match. You beat Old Brighton at Harry Trott. 
Uh, some of the notes we're saying is how good and how well the club has come a long way since it was uh, left up to Jeff and Lex to provide their car lights and sufficient lighting back in the day for training. Now, of course, you've got those floodlights that are going to outdo the MCG down there. But under your reign as part of your role there, I mean, is Friday night footy something you encourage the Collegians Footy Club to take part in more often than not nowadays? Uh, yeah, well, I would like to see more Friday nights. You know, perhaps the VAFA have to be a little bit more encouraging for clubs to do that. Certainly as a a player, I'd like to play Friday night because that gives me all weekend then to go <laughs> off and do what I want to do. And you'd know as well as anyone, Mark, that footy clubs are, are made with the people who put in as much as they possibly can. Of course, the Hibbins name has done so for many years at Collegians, but there's a lot of other people at Collegians, I'm sure, you've come across and you've worked with. Wayne Dyer has been there as president for 18 years. Rocket Nancaro for, what, nearly 20-something years now. Uh, I think your wife, Sue, does she do some uh, Thursday night dinners down there? Yeah, a few dinners and so forth. But I think if you, I mean, the people you mentioned, I mean, Wayne and Amanda Dyer, I mean, they were, not only was he president for something like 17 or 18 years, but before that he was, you know, on the committee and before that he was team manager. And, before, you know, even when I was playing, he was, you know, the trainer or water carrier, I think he really stands out because when the club was really struggling and went down to, you know, Premier C or C grade, as it was called then, um, there was probably a lot of people uh, wanting to jump off. But, um, you know, he put his hand up, became president, got us back into A grade and eventually to win a couple of flags, um, I think was a real credit to both Amanda and Wayne. Uh, Rocket's been there, as in Rodnan Cara, he's been there, as you say, over 20 years. You know, firstly as secretary, um, then as co-president, and now this year as president on his own. Just fantastic. And as we let you go, Mark, can you sum up what the Collegians Footy Club means to yourself and to the Hibbins family? Uh, well, that's interesting. I've had a lot of people sort of say, oh, you know, maybe you're too involved down there, and um, I, I don't. Really, I think any club is get involved. You just want to do the best you can. It doesn't really matter whether it's, you know, Collegians or whether it's any other community club. You just do the best you can and try and make it a, a great place for people to be. Um, I guess it does have uh, a little bit more edge to it, you know, when your father and your uncle played and they had such a big impact. There's no question about that. It does sort of bring it a bit closer to home. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people enjoy putting back into the community and I think that's probably what it's all about. Um, and obviously Collegians has played a, a big role in my life and will probably continue to do so. I'm sure they're very appreciative for all the time and effort that you give back to the footy club. Mark, as Nick mentioned during our chat, our thoughts are with yourself and the Hibbins family uh, during this time with the passing of your father in the last couple of weeks. We do appreciate you giving us so much of your time and uh, we look forward to catching up with you throughout the season down at the Harry Trot Oval when the footy does return. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Nick. Talk to you later. Well, there is Mark Hibbins, Nico. He's been a player. He's been the coach. He's been the president. He's the son of one of the greats. He's the nephew of apparently the all-time greatest, which I want you to tell me about right now, Jeff Hibbins. In fact, before you go through his resume, there is a story that I want to tell you about. Jeff Hibbins played 33 games for the St Kilda Footy Club as an amateur. 
which allowed him to then come back after his time playing VFL football. This is the highest honour you can get when you're playing in the 60s and 70s. 33 games for the Saints, came back, did not have to wait the two-year waiting period that was implemented at the time because he didn't take any money from the VFL, which allowed him to come back to collegians and play straight away. I reckon, Nico, that's what you call forward thinking. He thought about his local club before he jumped on board the Saints and he wanted to come back and keep playing with the Collegian Lions. Well, as Hibbo said throughout that interview, he said that Jeff was always forward thinking, was a bit left to centre. He watched a lot of soccer. So he's clearly a thinker of the game, not just an incredible player. And I'll just I'll just run through that resume of his. Yes, he's got five A section, five A section <laughs> premierships, six club best and fairest awards, three Woodrow medals, and it could have been four, but he actually lost another on a count back. He won two more medals. So that's five competition best and fairest awards to go with his six clubs. He was a VAFA representative on multiple occasions, which is of no surprise. He played in that representative side exhibition match during the 1956 Olympics. And we've got footage of that and we've seen footage of that. It's absolutely incredible. Sandy Roberts actually narrates one of those copies, which is fantastic. And he's a Collegians Life member. He's a captain of the VAFA side that beat the VFL VFA back in the day. He was the captain coach for four seasons. I could probably go on. I've lost my breath, but that is the greatest resume in terms of amateur football or any type of community football that you'll probably ever hear. Without doubt, Jeff Hibbins stands alone. That is a phenomenal effort. Well, I remember there was a couple of years ago, there was a, a list or a team, or team of the last 70 or so years that came out of just amateur players who were the greatest amateur players to ever play the game. And there was conjecture because Jeff had gone and played VFL at that point or VFA at that point. But the fact that he played as an amateur player, I don't know how many people knew that. Clearly, people at Collegians Footy Club knew that. But it was conjecture as to whether he should be in this list as one of the greatest amateur players because he went and played for St Kilda. But the fact is, he was smarter than ever, anyone. He was more intelligent than anyone playing as an amateur, and he will go down as the greatest. Well, I told you, he was a forward thinker. He was a forward thinker. You know who else was a forward thinker? I'm so excited about this, you've got no idea. We're going to talk to Alex O'Brien. Now, that name might not mean much to you, but it does to a lot of Collegians fans. And when we say his nickname is The Chief and he's 97 years of age, that might just get a little bit more pep in your step, Nico. This man was the property steward for over 17 years with the Collegians Footy Club. We mentioned him at the top. He's hanging on the line listening to us right now. And I'm going to ask him in a moment about how he did not lose a single Sharon in 17 years at the Harry Trot Oval. Hello, Chief. Hello, how are you? We're going well. Now, I've been told 97 <laughs> years young, Chief. 97 years young. 97 not out. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. How's That's your health correct. going? My health is okay for 97. Are you you're keeping well during this time? You're staying at home? You're not going out for some runs and, and no, walking I'm the dog, are you? I'm, I'm staying at home and... Uh, I can manage. I'm getting around okay, and still doing my little odd jobs. Now, 97 years young. You've seen you've seen a lot in your time, Chief. We're talking to you I'm about sure. your affiliation with the Collegians Footy Club. Take us back to yeah. the start. How did you end up down at, at the Purple Army? I ended up there because my daughter used to be a friend, uh, Steve uh, 
Lawson's friend. I was told a very good story, Chief, that you were you're in charge of all the uh, property down at Collegians, and you never lost a footy in the time in in charge of everything at Collegians. Is that fact? That's correct. Yes. No, I had thirty footballs, and I never lost one. That is an extraordinary yes. effort, considering so many footy <laughs> clubs lose so many footies over a winter. That is true. Yeah, and and uh, they finished night time all the time, you know, and. Yeah, around the ground there was a drain, and sometimes the ball went in the drain. So I had to go around the ground every night when I finished and look in the drain. <laughs> and how many did you find in the drain, Chief? Not many, not many, not many. But uh, I had to make sure. But anyway, uh, well, if I, if I didn't get my number, then I would look in the drain, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I had 30 footballs to look after. And I never lost one. <laughs> I mean, you still go down to the club when there's the big luncheons on and the big game being played on a Saturday? Odd times, yeah, odd times. When, especially when someone gets in touch with me, yeah. And my, my daughter goes with me sometimes. You were there as property steward for a good 15, 16 years and you would have seen, particularly early days, you were there for the 92 and 93 A-grade premierships. Do you remember those? I do remember, that's correct. I've got a photo home here, uh, kneeling in front of the. Uh, the un- un- did the under nineteen win a premiership? They did, and I think that was when uh, Simon Arnott was there and kicked a hundred goals. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember Simon. Matter of fact, uh, we're going, uh, going around the ground. It might have been the half time. And they had a football to kick kick around the ground and give to somebody. I run around the ground and I called to Simon. And he kicked it to me and I gave it to my lad. <laughs> you took it off him? <laughs> yeah. He, well, he, see, he was supposed to kick it to anybody. Uh, I called for it and he, he kicked it to me. <laughs> Your full name is Alex O'Brien. How did you get the nickname The Chief? Well, when I first went to the club, uh, I told everyone, I said, he's in charge. <laughs> <laughs> Over the years, you've obviously been involved. What does the Collegians Footy Club mean to you? Oh, so much. Look, I, I would never forget my time with them. I was probably steward for seven years, and I joined that so much. And I got a great rep for the juniors. you got no idea. I didn't want it. Every night after training, uh, every every one of the lads used to say goodnight. Never missed. And I appreciate it. I didn't look for that, but I appreciate the fact they did it. Yeah, thank me every time. And I didn't look for it, but they gave it to me. So I was so happy with that club. I really I really enjoyed it, you know. I used to go home 9 o'clock every night, go there 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and make sure the rooms were clean, and I never left till 9 o'clock at night, two nights a week. That shows you how happy I was with them. And they absolutely yeah. love you for it, Chief. Uh, thanks for joining us and, and hope you stay well and stay safe and you have a good night. Yes, thank you so much. Well, Nico, how good was that to hear from the Chief? Alex O'Brien, 97 years young, did not lose a footy across 17 years. 30 Sherrins, didn't lose one of them. One man who's probably came in touch with the Chief, and he's hanging on the line now, is Shira Taft. He won a couple of flags with Collegians. We're told he never used to handball, so his hands are in immaculate condition. He joins us now. Hello, Shira. I can tell you that I never used to handball, mate. I, that's, I don't keep that a secret. <laughs> didn't, didn't do much Didn't do much tackling either. It was just uh, it was pretty bru- It was pretty bruise-free where I was from, but, yeah, mate, the Chief... Uh, 
there aren't many bigger legends in, in uh, Ammo's footy than the Chief. I, said, yeah, I knew about him before I even got to the club. Did you really? Was he the selling yeah. point? Oh, I don't think he was the selling point, but he <laughs> certainly was just uh, one of those stalwarts that, you know, that's that's the beautiful part of the game um, is the extra people that you meet through footy, like obviously the teammates and stuff you play with, but every club has a chief or someone like that who's run the tuck shop or, <laughs> you know, the water boy or someone who's been around. We, we had another guy called Jock who was around for the last few years of my career who was, you know, he just made sure that the change rooms were clean and sweep up and he just was a ripping fella. And, um, and they're the heartbeat of clubs, you know. Tell us your career story, Shura. How did you end up down at Collegians? The old boy from Wesley and just decided to play yeah. with the old boys? No, that's correct. So um, old boy from Wesley, uh, you sort of always weigh up your options when you're leaving school. What's everyone doing? Where are you going to go? I, I was never, you know, obviously had dreams of going further and played a little bit of footy um, with the Oakley Chargers, but I was never good enough to go any further. So leaving school was like, what are my options? A few of my mates were going to colleges. But what was interesting was the bulk of the really good footy players that I played with at school either went to AFL, VFL or elsewhere. So I got down to collegians, wasn't good enough to play seniors straight away. I was a pretty skinny little kid, still am. And anyway, so I played down at 19s. And, mate, I was playing with footy with guys who'd played thirds or fourths at school. It was fun, but it wasn't particularly good standard. We were, we were pretty terrible. So... My first year running 19s, which was 2001 at Collegians, we were absolutely pumped every week. I didn't, I didn't love footy. And I went overseas and I came back. The Collegians ceased to have an under-19s team the second year. So I actually went to Scotch. I had a year old Scotch because Collegians didn't have an under-19. Mm. They were in C grade. Seniors, I, I just didn't have a, a vibe down there yet. And I had a lot of my mates that I grew up with that played all my junior footy with, so at Canterbury and Baldwin and whatever, who were playing at Scotch. So... I always said that I'd go back to Collegians and, uh, you know, had one year of pretty good fun footy, just enjoyed it, played with mates and came back to Collegians in 2003 and we were C grade. It was good fun. That was a, that was a period where Collegians coach went from a guy called Tim Hart who'd been around the club for a long time, pretty hard unit, different sort of fella. Like it was back when footy was coached a little differently. We got Pat Hawkins in 2003 from, from Old Xavier. Most people in the ammo circles know Pat. Ripping fella, good footy brain, just wanted to mix it up. And, and, and 2003 was when I, I reckon that's when it started for the, the period of dominance. I was so lucky to play 15 years of footy at Collegians and we had serious success. I played in eight grand finals. Well, that's amazing over that, <laughs> that, that span, you know. Phenomenal. Effort. That is absolutely amazing. Now, I'm thinking if you didn't have the vibe back in those early 2000s, the vibe certainly came in 2011 when you won the first of back-to-back flags. But yourself, you kicked 59 goals that year and five goals in that grand final. Can you take us through the memories of that first A-grade flag? Oh, so you got my email with my stats. Uh, glad you can read those out for me. That's good to know. I don't let anyone forget that. No, um, no, you're right. But you know what's interesting? Just just to take you back a step, which is that um, we, for 2003, we lost the C grade grand final to Bo Morris, but went up to B grade. Uh, 2004, we lost the B grade grand final to St. Kevin's and then went up to A grade and just weren't up to an A grade in 2005, went back down. And then in 2006, we won the B-grade grand final against Brighton. I don't think I had a stat in that. I was terrible in that game. But 2008, we lost the A-grade grand final to St. Beads. And that one hurt because we, we were a bloody dominant team that year. We, we were the best team of the year and just lost to an unbelievable team in the finals. A bit like Hawthorne of the same year, to be honest with you, to Geelong. And then in 2010, 
we lost to Xavier. Again, maybe even worse in a sense because we, we, we'd beaten them three times that year. We beat them twice in the regular season, absolutely pumped them in the first final and then lost to them in a the grand final. Into that point about 2011, what I and a lot of those guys learned and the club learned from those losses was absolutely invaluable to win in 2010, uh, 2011. And what's really interesting was had an unbelievable team in 2010. Some of the best players I've ever played footy with, blokes like Nick Stone, Ben Robbins, Brock Mooney was a legend in the club. There was a lot of other guys who played and they all retired and left. So coming into 2011, it was this really weird vibe of, well, we've probably had our chance, you know. We've lost 08, we've lost 2010 and that's it for collegians now that head back down the ladder sort of thing. And then what happened was the school team of 2010, the Wesley school team, Toby Green, Tom Curran, Kenny Ong, uh, Lockie Ferguson, Xander Crop, this new crop of young guys who just come through the school and won the flag. But the other young guys who are coming through, like Lockie Ferguson, who, as a side note, Hibo played the last six games of 2010 and didn't pick him for the grand final because he wanted to play an older guy. Now, I actually genuinely believe Lockie Ferguson could have won us that game. He's, he's that good of a player. But these group of guys came in 2011, Courtney Hilton, Nick Corp, and they just didn't have the sort of memory, the bad memories of the losses because they'd come out of school. They didn't really know about those those bad grand final losses. And I think that reinvigorated the team. And we went to 2011 and we'd gone from, you know, losing a guy like Nick Stone, who's a career, probably the best player I've ever played with, really, to having all these young, sort of vibrant young fellas. And we just went into this year. For me personally, I'd gone for, in, a, in a mindset sense from being the young guy around your Nick Stones and Brock Mooney's and whatever else to being a senior figure which didn't always sit comfortably with me because I'm not the most serious of people on and or off the field. Now I'm a senior figure and it just was a fun year. We just enjoyed it. Hibo seemed a bit more relaxed, weirdly, even though we'd lost the flag last year. We, and we sort of cruised through that year and you know, and then reached the grand final against some beads, a team that had beaten us three years earlier and it was time for redemption. And, and thankfully, um, we were able to pull it off. Just on that 2011, I was reading an article this morning written by Brad Beitzel back in 2011 yep. in the ad, yeah, yeah. and he was talking about Nick Sautner. Yeah, you shared the forward 50 with Sautner for quite a few <laughs> years. You've got <laughs> just star forwards. And he was saying that Nick had gastro, and he was in hospital for five hours with gastro the day before. Were you aware of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he broke his leg um, <laughs> the next year before the grand... Was it the next year before the grand final? I mean, talk about characters. We talk about Chief being character, characters at football clubs. Nick Sautner is a, is a rare unit. And he's the sort of guy that football club, footballers will know because, you know, um, there's a few of them out there who are so insanely talented. They're very confident, bordering on cocky, arrogant sort of stuff. But when you play with them, you <laughs> love them. You play against them, you just loathe them. And I think that's, I think he'd be, he'd be okay with that. But he was such a good player. He was the sort of guy who, I remember the first game I ever played in so, so he was a Wesley boy, obviously the greatest goal kicker in VFL history. He'll, let, he'll tell you about the uh, Nick Thornton end of the Sandringham football ground. <laughs> but we, 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 we got a whisper at the end of 2010 that he was potentially going to come down to Collegians to play with us. And I remember pre-season training, someone called me, saying, it might have been Charlie Hull saying, look, Thornton is coming down, let's make sure we look after him, make sure it's really good. And somehow in the first drill we did of the day, it was like a, you know, I'm kicking you know, just to, to, a, to a partner. I got paired with him and I'm thinking, God, don't miss a target here. He's going to be like, this guy's crap, this team's shit. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, I got to know him. And, and um, in the first game we played against Old Scotch at Camberwell, he sort of got right around the group before the game, you know, get around me, do this, you know, da, da, da. and 
you quickly realise if you kicked the ball to Sortner, so if you passed it, he marked it and went back and kicked the goal, he would run to you wherever you were on the ground, pick you up, tell you he loves playing with you, grab you around the neck, you're amazing, you're the best footy player ever. And it was funny because it, it would get you up in a bay. Oh, Nick Sortner said I'm the best player. You know? And so he was very good at that. It, I was in awe of the guy. He kicked 11 goals eight one day and four out on the full. Now, you don't see that much in a game because he could, he could really spray a football, believe it or not. He just had so many shots, he just kicked a lot of goals. But he, um, yeah, he, he was he was a wreck. Talk about me not handling. I'm not sure Staunton ever handled it his entire career. <laughs> the one funny thing about the Sauna story is he threw in a set of ste- he threw in a set of steak knives when he came to the club. And he said, um, I'll, I'll come down if you guys will also have a guy, a mate of mine, his name is Barclay Dixon. Now, Barclay, none of us really knew him, but we knew that he'd played at Old Melburnians and he'd captained the seconds. So we were like, okay, great. Well, we're going to get some twos player. He's a ripping bloke. We know that, but whatever. Turns out Barclay became our back-to-back premiership ruckman and was absolutely invaluable in us winning those flags. He was phenomenal. He's a ripping guy. And he was the steak knife. He was the Wayne Carey in the John Longmire <laughs> deal, you know? <laughs> Oh, they've got them all down there. They've got them all. Now, uh, Shira, you would have seen a few of them, I'm sure, at the uh, annual Collegians Fancy Dress Nights mm, that, yep. uh, well, they came into fruition around the early 2000s. Uh, were you one of the men who were forced midnight nudie runs on the rest of the team, or what's the go there? Listen, I've signed confidentiality agreements <laughs> over the years. I can't really talk about what went on down there, but I, I, I'll tell you this. They've changed more recently. That's just that's just based on how millennials party and, and do things a little differently. But I can tell you that in the early to mid-2000s, those parties were – I mean, I, I've got friends of mine who have nothing to do with collegians or anything to do with footy who came to those parties and were like, wow. Oh, right. I mean, the, the costumes were the best – Best thought out, best executed costumes I've ever seen. Um, there'll be a best dress every year. And then, of course, the famous nudie run, I can say, took part. In fact, one year I went as um, those who know the show Little Britain. You yes. know, yeah. yes. oh, oh, well, that one. I was in a wheelchair. I had the full ball head. <laughs> and Charlie Charlie Holson and I did the nudie run nude on a, on a wheelchair. So um, <laughs> there's a lot of stories that have come out of that. And I won, I won best dress one year going as, well, I, I say Ben Cousins. I, I called myself Kenny Buzzins. And... Um, <laughs> It was uh, <laughs> it was one for the ages, but no, that that was that was part of the club. The club's culture, it was always just a great vibe. And those extracurricular things that keep the heartbeat of the club going, um, with things like we also had a thing called Mystical Legends for a few years. It was like a talent quest. We, you know, you, people come along, and and one of our former captains did a sh- did a puppetry of the penis show that shocked female. We had to apologise to some girlfriends afterwards because. Um, Put it this way, all I know is a goldfish didn't survive the act. Oh, That's boy. All I'll say. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Last one before we let you go. Um, you've won yeah, back-to-back enough. flags. Yep. You've played in an EJ Witten Legends game. You uh, yep. hosted Kids Warner Brothers. You hosted the Mole. What are your most proudest memories, sure? Is it the flags or was it the EJ Witten Legends game? Where did this all sit for you in your career? Oh, I can't be proud of the EJ win. I didn't. Do, I didn't play. That. I, I, you know what? I did hit. I did hit Strawny on the chest. Actually, that was that was a good moment. Two things are funny happened in that game. One, I tried to um, balk Daryl Wakeland, and he absolutely put me to the turf and basically gave me a lesson. He don't try and balk an AFL player. And I also lined up. I lined up on Martin Pike in, at the start of the game on the wing, and he mate, he looked like he'd had a couple of pies or maybe a doona or two. But he he said to me, he actually turned to me, and I know he's telling me jokingly, but I know from stories I've read of Martin Pike, it's probably half serious. He just looked at me and he said, 
don't you f and run c bomb and i was like all right we're, we're, in for a, we're in for a good day we're in for a good day here but oh what am i most proud of i mean obviously my career i'm very proud of but I, but I, I am proud of giving 15 years of service to a club well when i say service they don't, I, they don't owe me anything but i but i I think about it now that I've finished and I thought it would be a lot harder to leave the game than it kind of was in a funny sort of way. Mm. But I think about it now and go, God, for 15 years, I rocked up at the Harry Tripe every Tuesday. Well, no, I didn't go every Tuesday, let's be honest. <laughs> but, um, you know, every time I could train. And, you know, and, and for many years there, what a lot of people don't realise, and this is, again, not to, like, tip my hat to myself, but I, I would rock up to some games. When I was doing Kids WB, which I was doing for five years, we were live on a Saturday morning. So I would film at Channel 9 I'd say goodbye, that's all folks, jump in my car and drive the game. And I'd get there when I get there. And, and Hibo, to his credit, would play me regardless. There were games when I got there just before half time, And I'd, be, I'd still have makeup on. I'd <laughs> wipe the makeup off, put the boot on and, and run out on the ground. So I, I'm sort of proud of just being able to do that for 15 years. I was lucky to play with the guys I played with and have the success that we had and enjoy it. And, I, and, I, and we got out at the right time. I got to retire with three of my best mates in footy, Charlie Holtz, James Jorgensen and Nick Reese. My last game of amateur footy was one of the one of the best games I ever played. And I didn't play that well personally, but we knocked off Uni Blacks at their home ground in the last game of the year to make sure we didn't get relegated by a goal, which was kicked late in the game from the pocket in the wet. It was just like one of those awesome ways to sort of retire. So all in all, it's just sort of a, a summation of 15 years, really. Uh, it's been a wonderful career, sure, and we've had a wonderful time chatting to you for the last 10 minutes or so. Congratulations <laughs> on, on what you did achieve with the Collegians Footy Club. Thanks for joining yeah. us, and uh, good luck for what's in store in 2020. No, thanks, gentlemen. RIP to that goldfish, and uh, all the best with uh, what you're doing with the ammos, boys. Great stuff. Well, Nico, that was Shura Taft. What an absolute star he is and what a resume he's got. I know we spoke about uh, Jeff Hibbins' resume before, but Shura's isn't too bad either. A couple of flags. Kids, Warner Brothers on a Saturday morning, host of the Mole, played in the EJ Winton Legends game. They've done it all down at Collegians. He's had a ripper. He's had a ripper down there. The fact that he used to come straight from the studio, he'd still have his makeup on, he'd wipe it off and then he'd run out there just before half time. That was good by Hibbo too to let him get away with it. You like that in the coach? Oh, it was absolutely outstanding. Now, one man who was probably there around the time is Nick Roach. I call him the official list manager of the Ammos, and he's been good enough to join us. Hello, Roachy. Hello, boys. How are you going? Oh, mate, we are going well. How are you going in this isolation phase? Have you just been sitting there analysing every one of the Ammos lists for the last few months because <laughs> we haven't got any footy to play and talk about? <laughs> I tell you what, it has been difficult, mate. It has been difficult not to uh, been able to... Uh, through the tapes every Sunday morning and, uh, you know, get my fix of six or seven hours of back footy and, uh, you know, get get the uh, the opposition uh, report ready for Joycey on a Tuesday night, that's for sure. What about from a collegians' point of view? I mean, you obviously did the off-season, the pre-season, you did your own sort of recruiting drive and then this global virus has hit and knocked everything out of the park. I mean, have you got any issues with the guys that you recruited and, and what they're up to at the moment? Oh, not so much. It's, it's frustrating because we, we did put in a lot of work and, uh, you know, we had some luck getting um, some fantastic, you know, um, mature age players and great characters, guys like Dave Nero, David Armitage, obviously Alex Morgan's come back full time as well. So, and we felt like we had a much stronger pre-season than last year, obviously coming off those grand final defeats. So, you know, we were ready to go um, in these early rounds, but unfortunately uh, it's not to be at the moment. But I think, I mean, Joyce is pretty pretty confident that it's a pretty tight-knit group this year. So, 
you know, they're still obviously catching up, you know, over Zoom, et cetera, doing some sessions, you know, in their pairs. You know, if we can get through this over the next few months and we can somehow, you know, scrape together a season, you know, from July onwards, you know, I still think we'd, yeah, we'd be in pretty good shape, mate, to uh, have a real crack at it. Rochi, as Joey said, you are the best recruiting manager in the competition by a long way, and you move the magnets as fluently as anyone. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I want to ask you about yourself and about your, yep. your own playing career and how you made it down to uh, Harry Trot initially. Yeah, well, mate, I, I really didn't have a choice. So I was a third-generation collegian. Uh, my grandfather played in the 1930s, played 100 games. He played in the 36 and the 37 A-grade premierships. Uh, then my dad and my uncle both played 200 games. They both captained the club as well through the 60s and 70s. So there were already 500 uh, games of roach blood through the club before I got there, mate. Obviously went through the school. You know, I was in the same year level as Shura. Um, we played footy right through together and then came down in the 90s in 2001 when we were down in C grade, mate, at our, at our lowest ebb ever in the club's history. So it was an, certainly an interesting time to join the club at that stage, that's for sure. Now, you're a list manager. We know that. We've talked about it. We have a little bit of fun with it. But in all seriousness, this is a footy club that makes grand finals and unfortunately sometimes they lose them, but with 12 months down the track, they're back in the grand final. So I want to ask you, Rochi, now that you've just told us the thread of your family, you've got back-to-back flags in the 30s. You've got these five or six grand finals in the 50s, early 60s. You've got the early 90s and you've got the 2000s, these little clumps. From the history and yep. studies that you've done, which of these decades is the best collegiate side that's ever run out there? <laughs> Gee, that's a tough question. If you say 1896, um, I would not be surprised <laughs> at all. <laughs> You'd have to nail it down to three. So, obviously, I mean, the side in the 50s, the late 50s, led by the great Jeff Hibbins, was an incredible side, winning four and five years. Um, and then we had that run from the mid-80s to the early 90s. So, um, probably the sides in 92, 93, it just had some absolute champion players. And then you probably got the 11, and, the, and more so probably the 2012 side was the best of the modern era. So, if you're out of those three, probably those sides in the late 50s, Joey, you know, I probably, I'm 2012 was the one that I obviously had the most to do with. But from what I've heard, mate, uh, those sides in the late 50s were pretty incredible and obviously led by the best amateur player of all time in Jeffrey Hibbins. Can you believe the resume Jeffrey Hibbins has? Nick read it out a little earlier on. Uh, there's <laughs> nothing he hasn't achieved. Yeah, it's quite unbelievable. I, mean, I think at the time, like, he would have been one of the better players in the VFL and obviously chose to get to come back and play for uh, for collegians in the amateurs. So when you think about it like that, it's quite extraordinary. Now, I also want to ask you, you did mention you came into playing sort of things in under-19s at the lowest ebb mm. of the footy club. I mean, you're in Premier C. This is 110 years after you've started. Your memories of that time and, and how tough was it at the collegians footy club, knowing the expectations that the Lions place on themselves every year? It was tough. You know, when I got down there, obviously, I didn't know, I didn't know too much about the place, having not been there before. But, you know, hardly anyone was coming to watch each week. Um, we had guys coming in and out of the club over those first couple of years that I was there. And we didn't even field an under-19s team in 2002. So it really was a difficult time. But I was very lucky to come in at that time. Um, we had Pat Hawkins uh, come on as coach in 2002, who had obviously come from old dad. Um, and him, together with... Uh, the president, Wayne Dyer, they created a culture, you know, and a work ethic amongst that playing group and, and the club as a whole, which just saw a surge through the grades. And, 
and just some of the the games that you got to play in the final series. You know, it was it was a lot of fun, mate. Um, those those five, six, seven years where we we surged up from uh, C grade back to A grade. And this is the last one before we let you go. There's a lot of Collegians fans listening to this. Of course, they're hanging out for footy to come back. But they're also yeah. hanging out for another edition of the Three-Legged Lions with yourself, Ross Katzenbarnas, and uh, yeah. Michael Cove. Uh, any whispers yeah. on when that might return? Well, I can, uh, I can confirm, Joey, that we will be producing an episode uh, over the next two weeks. Uh, we are back, and uh, the highlight of this, of this episode is going to be us going through our 15 finals wins over the last 20 years, and we're going to be ranking them and going through those games in a bit of detail from 15 down to number one. Uh, during this uh, this off time for all the Lions fans, I'm sure that's something they're going to really enjoy uh, listening into in the next couple of weeks. Well, we can't wait for it. Uh, Rochi, thanks for joining us. Thanks, boys. Absolute pleasure, and uh, hopefully we're uh, chatting <laughs> when we're back on the field. Well, there is Nick Roach. Nico, the unofficial list manager of the Ammos, of course, part of the coaching staff at Collegians. And I learned something from that chat, Nico. I didn't realise that the Roach family had bloodlines going back to the 30s with Collegians and over 600 games of Ammos footy at senior level. Phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Unsurprising that he does know so much about amateur football. I just think for the listeners out there, just in our little... Facebook group that we do have with a couple of the Collegians insiders. He is the most knowledgeable amateur person, I think, in terms of current list that there is. It's amazing. It really is. It really is. And you know what? This podcast has been amazing because if you're a fan of the Collegians Lions, well, you've just enjoyed an hour where we've just been biased. We've bragged about your club. We've put them in shining lights. And we're asking all clubs during this time to get in touch with Nick Armistead and the Ammos. Reach out and tell us about your club and why we should put them in focus. We've just spent the hour doing it with the Collegian Lions and it's all been thanks to Mequicare who are a not-for-profit organisation that have been providing aged care and disability services in the community since 1959, of course. A proud partner of the Ammos. I'm looking forward this week as well to having a look on social media at the Collegian Lions fans telling me about how their song has the purple and gold flag but their original jumper was navy blue and white. Can't wait to find out why that was. No one could tell us in the podcast. Someone's got to tell us on social media. Yes, I look forward to it. And maybe Dickie Adamson was just ahead of his time and he knew what was going to happen 10 years later when they did finally make that change. But it's been wonderful to talk collegians with you, Joey. And our guests today were absolutely phenomenal. Hibo Shura, the chief. How good was the chief? And obviously, Rochi there at the end. I've had a lot of fun and I look forward to doing it all with you again next week, mate. We cannot wait for it. Vaffa.com.au is where you go to keep up to date with all the Ammo's news. At Vaffa underscore HQ on Twitter and on Instagram. As we've done for the last few weeks, finishing these Clubs in Focus podcast. Here is your chance to hear your club song. And this is the Collegians boys belting out their famous tune at the Harry Trot Oval. Yeah.